The opinions and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Inspirational women are increasingly popular in the news and media, but many go unheard and their stories are never told. Women to Watch with Susan Rocco captures the stories of many women who truly make a difference. Women to Watch is the vehicle for developing new leaders, encouraging younger generations, and in building self-esteem for future entrepreneurs. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860. I'm happy to be back in the studio with not only our wonderful co-host, Dr. Beth Dupree, but also our guest today, uh, who, who is Denise Heyman Loa. And Denise is the CEO of Chari uh, Incorporated, which is a new tech company that provides a controlled and secure community platform for nonprofits, educational organizations, Organizations, clubs, and small to mid-sized businesses. And um, we're, we have a lot to talk about with Denise, uh, but I want to welcome Beth to the show and talk a little bit about um, a Healthy You program that the hospital is, is involved with. Can we talk about that first? Hi, Susan. We certainly can. How are you today? Did you have a great right. weekend? Very nice weekend. We did. Actually, it was a stay-at-home, accomplish-a-lot-of-work weekend, I, which I, sometimes I you don't look forward I, to it, but then at the end you're glad you did it. I had a lot of dirt in my nails by the end of the weekend from pulling weeds, and I, I needed a machete to get through my uh, my, my flower garden because I didn't really get to it over the spring. But I'm having um, the surgical services, all the people that work with me in surgical services, come to my house next weekend. So I decided that I probably should get rid of the green jungle and at least make it look, um, you know, try to unearth some of the little statues that are in my, uh, my flower <laughs> garden to make it look like I actually take care of it. So, um, But it was... Between that and getting uh, getting my youngest ready for apartment dwelling, it's it's last year was a chip shot going to college because you only needed what you could fit in the dorm room. Right now it's the trash can for the kitchen, the trash can liners, the you know all of the serving stuff for the kitchen and the list. We we took uh, my husband as a truck. He's got an F-250, and the back of the truck was filled with stuff. By the time we were done our eight-hour, you know, shop and drop, I, I came home and I was like, you know, this is not retail therapy. Like, I like shopping <laughs> when it's actually retail therapy. This was, um, this was more of a, uh, you know, I, I said, well, obviously he can go to Walmart or whatever up in Penn State if he needs something, but it's very different to send them out to live in an apartment compared to dorm living. It is. And you just did this. I did. I did. It's stressful. It's stressful because you're, you're, you're shopping for them to survive out in the real world, <laughs> and you want them to have everything at their disposal. And you'll, you'll love this. I was, uh, we, were in, uh, we were in Bed Bath & Beyond looking at knives, and Dean's like, Mom, I don't need a chef's knife because... Believe it or not, my son and all of his friends are making their own knives this summer at my house. They're pounding the steel and making their own knives. So he's he he decided he didn't need to buy a knife. So I, I guess that means that the project will be complete in a week because when he leaves a week from now, um, he needs to have that chef's knife. But I love the fact that, you know, any other kid could have said, you know what, I better get a chef's knife just in case. But he's very confident that his knife is going to be completed. And it's going to be wow. sharp, and it's going to be done. And so I was really psyched that I didn't have to buy a chef's knife for him. Well, that's awesome. But does he cook? Oh, my God, he's a great cook. He, Excellent. He loves Alton Brown. My, my boys spent a lot of time in our kitchen um, creating, you know, they... You'd think my oldest son, Tom, you know, had a Ph.D. in how to cook mushrooms to put on a steak because <laughs> it is, it's like a science. I watch them. They measure everything by the ounce. They don't measure by the cups. 
So it was uh, it was kind of interesting going through Bed Bath and Beyond with him. He had to make sure he had all the right spices and the right utensils. And you know what? It's it's way different. And I, I'm I'm much happier to outfit the kitchen knowing he's going to cook and eat a healthy diet than right. to send him to Penn State thinking he's going to go buy food or you know food at one of the fast food places, which would be easier, but it's not going to be as healthy. And uh, that brings me to Healthy You, which you asked me about before, which yeah. is a, uh, it's a program I'm very happy about. And one of my new roles in the health system, you know, is um, overseeing and, and helping to implement employee health and wellness. And health systems really have to take um, ownership and accountability for the health and well-being of our, our employees. Because if we're the purveyors of health and wellness for the community, you know, it's got to start from within. So we are rolling out a program this year to really engage our 2,000-plus um, employees in, you know, understanding what their opportunities for improvement are in their health, um, understanding what they can do to make their families healthier as well. And um, what's going to be great is, you know, for all the employees who choose to make health and wellness a priority and, you know, begin this process, um, you know, next year they can get a rebate, you know, a, a percentage of rebate from their insurance so that, you know, showing that you are on the, on the road to improving your health and, and making that commitment, those changes, you know, it's going to translate into, you know, less healthcare expenditures and that can come back to them. So it's it's a novel idea. It's it's a wonderful I I'm really thrilled to be part of it. I think that um, I actually have my appointment with my primary care this Wednesday because that's one of the one of the little boxes I have to check off is I've got to see my primary care doctor and I got my blood drawn last week for my cholesterol and um, you know just to check my blood even though I haven't smoked a cigarette for you know like my entire life I still have to get a you know a nicotine test because those are all things that increase our risk so I'm excited about it because it's you know population health management is the future of healthcare. We can't stop this um, this train that's already out of the station of uh, you know this, our, our GDP being consumed by healthcare costs. We can't stop that train if we don't begin to um, live and um, promote and educate a healthy lifestyle. And to do so, it's got to start from within the health system. So you know, kudos to our administration that, that get it, that understand it, and. Um, I'm hoping to be able to really inspire my colleagues and uh, the, everybody that I work with to, to kind of get on the bus and, you know, hopefully we'll be a healthier, uh, a healthier group, you know, next year and then the year after that and the year after that because as we do this, every year it's going to be additive. So I'm, I'm very psyched about it. Well, I'm proud of you for not only, you know, having this program at the hospital, but you're participating. So you're not just kind of preaching. You are doing it yourself, and that's a great incentive. Oh, yeah. And it's it's funny. I have one of my uh, one of my employees in my office. She you know she came to me and she's like, okay, I'm ready. I need to I need to change my life. And so I she has the matching Fitbit that I have. So um, just like when people are in prison or when they get out of prison and they go home, they're on house arrest. Um, we call our her her little band on her wrist. I'm calling it her health arrest. Uh, she's under health arrest right, <laughs> right. now because right. we're and, – and it's great because yesterday I, I, I checked on our little Fitbit app, and she was a few steps behind me. 
So I sent her a message, and darned if she didn't get on the phone, and she called up another another person from my office, and they went out and they walked a 10,000 step walk. So, you know what? It's a, there's this thing to accountability, and you know, being able to do things in a group. And you know, now that I'm, I see what Denise does, you know, maybe we have to have our own little private thing, so it's actually not on Fitbit, but we can have our own little. Let's all be healthy and well together. So. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, real quick, before I introduce Denise and bring her on, I want to um, mention our phone number for the listeners. If anyone wants to call in and has a question for either uh, Dr. Dupree or our guest, um, feel free to do so at 888-329-3306. That's 888-329-3306. And also, uh, be sure to check out our website to keep in the loop of all the guests that are coming on and all the activities we have at womentowatch.net. And that's women2watch.net. So I'm excited, real happy to have my guests today uh, in the studio. And Denise and I have been together in person prior to today. And I'm, I'm very impressed with not only her story and her experience and her background, but the company that she has recently launched. Again, her name is Denise Heyman Loa, and Denise is the CEO of Chari, and it's it's Chari pronounced, but it's spelled C-A-R-I-I. And what it is, I'm going to just give you a snippet, and then I'll let Denise, of course, talk more intelligently about it. It's a it's a new tech company, and it provides a controlled and secured community platform for nonprofits, for educational organizations, for clubs, and any small to mid-sized business. Denise, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I really enjoy being here. I was very happy to hear Beth's comments as well, because actually one of our important clients is focused on healthcare and on improving healthcare overall. So our platform can be used to get that communication out and have those kinds of conversations. So yeah. Beth, maybe we should talk further yeah. after this I, after this I love session. It. Well, you're- you're close enough, so I, I, I'm sorry I'm not down there. I just had a lot of meetings today, and I have one right after um, the show that I needed to be here at the hospital for. But thank God for technology, because virtually I'm there in the studio with you looking out the window, you know, on the beautiful <laughs> view, you know, that you can see right out right beside Sue. I can see the trees. Yeah. yeah. It's a little cloudy today, but that's okay. We need a little bit of rain. That's right. We really um, do. I, I want to talk, you know, first, always want our audience to get a sense of who you are and where you came from and your, you know, a little bit about your personal life. And um, one of the things that you mentioned to me was that you, first of all, I know that your dad has been a, a big influence in your your life. A huge. Yeah. Huge um, he was a literature professor. Yep, that's right. And what that did is allowed you to do a lot of traveling as a young girl. And I think that always um, has a bearing on, you know, what your future is going to be. You traveled to many, many places um, before you were even graduating from high school. Talk yeah, about those years for a little right. bit. No, we lived in Mexico. I lived in Greece. I lived in France and Austria and Ireland. I actually mm. poured Guinness in a pub in Ireland when I was 16. So. <laughs> That's my dream. Yeah. Yeah. How oh many American gosh. How many American girls can say that <laughs> for a whole month? No, I, wow. I I, uh, I poured beer at the Pizza Hut when I was a sophomore in college at the University of Hawaii, but oh. I don't I don't think that counts. Yeah, not the I'll same thing. I'll tell you, it's a real trick to pour Guinness properly. <laughs> it really is. Anybody that's done it knows. No bubbles. It's right. Very, very yes. important. Tilt the glass. Yeah. yeah. I know that. So, yeah. Yep. But anyway, that, that upbringing, while challenging because I was always getting uprooted and had to learn new languages and go to school in foreign countries, really taught me how to adapt. It taught me how to accept other cultures. It taught me how to be ready 
to adapt to other environments. So it really um, contributed heavily to, I think, a lot of the things that I did during my career. How about the change? Was it difficult as a young girl to be, you know, constantly having to make new friends and kind of start all over? It was very difficult. And did I pine for, you know, staying on the homestead my whole life? Of course. But in hindsight, I think it was a great contributor to the person I am today. Right. So having yeah. different cultural influences. Yeah, Very tremendous. Yeah. And I know you speak multiple languages. How many languages do you speak? At one point or another, I've spoken up to six besides wow. English. Wow. But I can't lay claim to fluency in any of them anymore because yeah. unless you are immersed, they do disappear. My best language is probably French. Is it? I yeah. was going to say, do you have a favorite or one that came to you easier? Yeah, Would that probably, be French? probably French. I also speak Indonesian. Wow. A little bit, wow. because that's where my husband is from, and mm-hmm. I've lived over there. Uh, that's actually quite an easy language to learn, surprisingly, yeah. because it's uh, Roman characters and it's got some familiarity. Okay. But um, probably French. French. Yeah. And have, uh, you have two boys. Have, did you introduce them to any of the languages? I have two sons. I'm very fortunate to have them, the best thing I ever did in my life. Um, and they both took French. Isn't that interesting? They did. They took French. They also, we have funny stories about when my mother-in-law was living with us when they were little, and they would trick her by, you know, she was trying to learn English, and they were two and a half years old and tricking her on how to say the word table and (laughs) saying, you know, gibberish to her. So (laughs) there's lots of stories, you know, growing up in a multicultural household. Right, I bet, (laughs) I bet. Um, One of the things I wanted you to talk about just for a few minutes again was your relationship with your dad and the influence that he had on you. Because I think, you know, this show um, is very much about what shapes young women to be, you know, who they are today. And we had a conversation about that. And I I think it's interesting. Talk about that for a few minutes. Yeah, no, I think if I look back on the single most important thing that formed who I am today, it's my father. So my father, being a professor of comparative literature, he's a James Joyce scholar. He reads all these very lofty things that I personally don't quite understand. But he always treated me like a brain, not like a boy or a girl. He just treated me like someone to have a conversation with. And that gave me the confidence, even as a little girl, to feel like my thoughts were important, that I could speak my mind, that I shouldn't be afraid to speak my mind to someone older and smarter than me. Mm -hmm. And I found that when I started my career on Wall Street in 1980, which was very much a good old boy's world at that time. I could tell you real stories about that. Yeah. Well, I hope you do. (laughs) Yeah. I'll tell a few. (laughs) Um, I think that that experience of, of the confidence of, you know, sort of, as they say, speaking truth to power, that confidence was built into me as a young girl and in the way that he treated me. Yeah, well, what I like about that is that it allows you to um, have the confidence to pursue any area that you want right. and not fall into those stereotypical, this is what it, you know I should be doing as a young woman. Right, no, definitely. I mean, working on Wall Street at the age I did and in the era that I did, and I worked in that environment for almost 30 years. Mm-hmm. And I was at Solomon Brothers in 1980 when Mike Bloomberg was running the division and worked at Goldman Sachs. I was a partner at Ernst & Young, and my clients were Goldman Sachs and George Soros and 
scary people like that. <laughs> it's a stressful, stressful industry. Well, you know, I actually thrived in it. I loved it because you're working with some of the smartest people around. Now, I was very fortunate because I worked at top tier firms. Mm-hmm. But I was never bored. I always was learning, and I was always working with really smart people. Yeah. Did you travel a lot um, as part of your job? Yeah, an enormous amount. Not the first half of my career. The first half of my career, I was mostly doing technology work, mm-hmm. and which is great because of the technology work I'm doing now. It gave me a very solid foundation. Right. And then I moved into front office and did more when I was a partner at Ernst & Young. That started, and then in front office doing... Um, sales and marketing for pensions, endowments, and foundations. I did a lot of travel all around the world. Can you name a, a favorite country out of all that, that you've oh. traveled to? You know, I love the U.K., okay. actually. Yeah, and why? Because, well, I spent a lot of time there because I was co-running a business in London for a while, and so I spent a lot of time there. Mm-hmm. And I just, I'm very, I'm comfortable there, I guess. Yeah. It's enough different from the U.S. to be interesting, but enough similar to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. Australia is another one of my favorites. Yeah. Oh, my sister lives yeah. there. Oh, it's a great. I, 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 spent, I spent three and a half weeks there last winter, and it was one of the greatest trips that I have ever yeah. taken because it's just, there's so few people. I loved it. I, I, you feel like you go to a, a beach that's a mile and a half long, and there's three people. Right. And, right. I, and I go, how can this gorgeous beach have three people on it? In the yeah. U.S., it would be yeah. jam-packed Swarming. and there would be buildings behind it. I know. Right. I where, know. where can I put my umbrella? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Plus, you know yeah. what? There, there's something for the – because can, you can understand everybody pretty easily, except if the accents are very, very heavy. But it's enough of an accent to know you're in a foreign country. Exactly. But not so much that I feel like I'm completely – out of my, you know, out of my element. So exactly, I, I too like I, the Aussie UK combo is a pretty, pretty awesome, pretty yeah. awesome experience. Yeah, it? yeah, it really is. I mean, I love lots of things about lots of places. Right, it all depends on what you're going for. Right, but yes. if you're going in a somewhat business, somewhat personal mode, both of those two countries are really great places to be. Yeah, I, I often ask our guests, you know, what do they do in their downtime? You know, what do you do when you need to get away from the laptop and away out of the office? And you have very interesting and multiple um, hobbies. Yeah. Um, to name a few, uh, you you practice and at one time we're training kung fu. Yes, that's you, how I met my husband. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you have you own and run a horse farm. Yes. You are an artist. Yes, although I haven't touched a paintbrush in a year. That's okay. You still have the gift. <laughs> I have the equipment. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so really, there's a lot of interests that you have, which is so wonderful. You know, you have to have other interests outside the job. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Talk yeah. about, you know, meeting your husband and your, your kung fu training. Oh, yeah. No, my husband was my kung fu teacher. We're talking back in 78, I think we met. Mm-hmm. And he taught kung fu at the college that I went to, Sarah Lawrence College back then and we were just very good friends for a number of years and then when you know one thing led to another after about three or four years I was in in transition and as was he and then we we got together and not long after that about nine or ten months later we got married yeah and we've been married for almost 33 years wow so congratulations good choice yes and and he's where he's asian he's asian he's chinese from indonesia okay and he is our chief technology officer and the brains behind our technology solution yeah what a perfect fit yeah he was teaching kung fu like as his side was that his 
his stress reliever, or that was just his his spiritual no, art form that he did? He's a, a pretty amazing trainer in Kung Fu. I mean, he started when he was 10. His sort of stepfather, in, in a way, was uh, his Kung Fu teacher. Not an actual stepfather, but the person that he related to the most as a father figure. Mm-hmm. And so he was deeply immersed in it for his whole growing up years, and he's really very good at it. He teaches... He's sort of the top teacher here in the U.S. of that particular wow. style. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And I your used kids, to teach all the women. Do it too? My, our older son does out in California. Yes. Wow, that's pretty yes. cool. That, yeah. that is a, that's a great um, tradition to pass on, you know, because uh, people is. that don't do, you know, the, the martial arts are, it's an amazing, it, it, there's there's such flow with it. It's And when you watch it, it's almost like watching um it's like watching a play or a musical or something because you feel that energy. You feel that the chi. You yep. Know? Yep. That's absolutely right. And our particular style has a lot of gods and goddesses and ap- animal movements, so it's very dance-like. Mm. It's quite Love different. It. Yeah, it's quite different. What, what's the percentage, would you say, of, of young boys and young girls that are involved in it? Is it equal? It's, no, it's actually mostly older teenagers through older all the way through quite a bit older people wow yeah okay. it's interesting it's um a little more on the intellectual side mm-hmm. as a as a style and so i think the people that gravitate to it tend to be a little bit more and i would imagine great for your balance right and great for balance great for energy flow and mm. you know sort of clearing the mind right when yeah. clearing the mind is really key these days oh my gosh we yeah we, because we're bombarded with so yeah. much yeah. information clearing the mind is really critical yeah. and you have to find and there's a cu- couple different ways to do that you yes. know whether you're doing meditation or something like kung fu so yeah. um that's yeah. really tremendous I to think have my most fun thing to clear my mind though is to go out to the barn is it with the horses <laughs> yeah, yeah talk about the horses oh, like, yeah. is, is it is it to muck the stalls or actually to go uh, ride the horses well i don't get a lot of riding in these days because i'm working so much but just even to go out there and be around them for a few minutes they are just the most amazing creatures and they're so noble and they communicate in ways we don't realize until you get to know them a bit better so it's a balancing thing you're a horse whisperer Oh, I wish. I wish. (laughs) I'm sure you are. You don't. I wish I was. I would love to do that. I've I've done some of the some of the amazing work with the horses. I my first exposure to the wisdom of the horses was in in when I went to Miravel for a week and worked with this gentleman whose name escapes me. Um, And it's it's his book is called It's Not About the Horse. Oh. And it's really it's it's, which is beautiful because I have a sister who's very afraid of horses. I always loved horses, probably just, I mean, because I was exposed to them when I was young at camp and everything. But when you learn how to communicate with them, it was so absolutely beautiful and amazing that just the way that you turn your head or move your hand or whatever, like they respond. They're they're so smart. Oh, yeah. I mean, the best way I can describe it, because you have to remember they're herd animals, so they respond to other creatures as part of their herd which affects their mentality. And if you think of a school of fish swimming in the ocean when you go scuba diving and you see how those fish are swimming and they don't they they don't miss a beat. They're moving together and staying the same distance apart and then you look at mustangs running in the and the you know in the out in the fields and the prairies mm-hmm. same thing because they have so much body awareness that we don't have anymore that that informs everything they do. Yeah. Oh, that's so, interesting. Yeah, it's 
Not it, everybody realizes that. But no, you think it's about a that. different way to look at them. Yeah. You know, the, I think a, a lot of the fear is because of the size of, of the animal itself. Um, but they can be extremely uh, tender. Oh, you know? yeah. yeah. And yeah. you're actually, you just need to make yourself the alpha. Yeah, right. So they're yeah. looking for somebody to be the alpha. They don't want it. They don't necessarily want to be the alpha. Yeah. Yeah. Um, tell me about you. You are the president of a nonprofit as well. Yes. I want to make sure that we talk about that. It's called Apple Farm Arts and Music Center. Yes. And it's all about, you know, bringing young people into the arts. And, That's right. And, yeah, talk about why you're involved in that and, and why you think it's so important. Yeah, no, Apple Farm is a great organization. I've been the board president now for three years. I was just reelected for my third term. And it's actually located about 12 minutes from our house in South Jersey, Perfect. so it's very convenient. Mm-hmm. And I joined the board because of my dual interest in art and in business, because I figured that could be very helpful, bringing both things together. Mm-hmm. And the focus of Apple Farm is really on education for kids in the arts, and it's fine arts as well as performing arts. And they have a camp that's just fabulous. A lot of scholarship kids go, so it's a real melting pot in terms of each type of kid getting exposed to others, which is, I think, very important. Right. It's a very supportive environment um, for the kids. And then they also do arts education for the region. So they're responsible for many of the arts programs in the South Jersey region. So it's a great mission. Is there one organization or is this, um, you know, are there different chapters? It's one central organization in South Jersey, okay. but then they go out to the different schools. Okay. And there's a camp, a, an overnight camp on premises. And what age uh, children are? It's like typically 9 to 17, but they sometimes do seven, 7 to 17. And they use all kinds of arts, all mediums? All mediums. All mediums. Dance, theater, music, video, fine arts, ceramics, drawing. Yeah, it's a great it's a great organization and the the stories of, you know, how compelling it is for the kids and how much how important it is to their lives. I mean, I could just go on and on yeah. about no, those it's a wonderful stories thing. too. Yeah. yeah. Um we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to learn all about Chari, what inspired you to launch the company and and where you see this this company growing. We'll be right back. There are 365 days to schedule a mammogram. Today is as good as any. Holy Redeemer Breast Care makes it easy. We offer the latest technology like 3D mammography, an automated breast ultrasound that help find cancers in dense breast tissue. Plus, our same-day readings mean same-day peace of mind. Make today the day you schedule a mammogram. It's easy to request an appointment online at holyredeemer.com slash mammogram. Welcome back, everyone, to this week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860 and womentowatch.net. Um, if you'd like to call in and ask questions of either our guest, Denise or Dr. Dupree, feel free to at 888-329-3306. Um, we are in the studio today with Denise Heyman loa Am I pronouncing that right? Yes. Good. Perfect. Good. CEO of Chari Incorporated. And um, we learned a lot about who you are and where you came from and your background. And meanwhile, in my head, I'm thinking, how does she find the time <laughs> to do any of this work with, with the company? Um, you really have your, when do you sleep, I guess, is what I well, want to know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but let's start with what inspired you, again, 
30 years on Wall Street, and now here you are the CEO of a new tech startup, which, yeah. wow, that takes it's, takes a lot a of courage, yeah. right? It it's is. It's a leap, yeah. yeah. Well, I was trying to retire. I actually, <laughs> you know, I worked for many, many years on Wall Street. That's a... Uh, 30 years is a long time. It is. It it's is. very, you know, demanding environment, very long hours. And so I wanted to run my horse farm. I wanted to do art, and I wanted to be on the board of Apple Farm, and that was about going to be it and, yeah. do, and do Pilates. Go and off into the sunset. Go off into the sunset. And I found after about a year and a half of that that I was enjoying my board meetings at Apple Farm way too much. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was looking forward to them. I didn't want them to end. And that tells you that I really was sort of craving the intellectual stimulation that I was accustomed to. Yeah. And my husband, who was our chief technology officer, and as I said, the brilliant mind behind the concepts of Shari, he came up with this idea. Now, he's had many ideas because he's an ideas guy. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't always been enamored of many of them. Most of the time, because he used to run his own Internet consulting and application development company, most of the time I would say, that's nice, dear, and then I'd head off to do something else. Mm-hmm. This idea, when he told me about it, actually going on just about two years ago that he first told me about it, two years and a couple months, it just captured my imagination immediately. The whole idea of improving the way communities can connect with each other and communicate with each other and link multiple chapters of a community together and partner with other communities just, to me, seemed like something that was really missing in the online space. And so I started working with him as a strategic advisor Mm -hmm. in the beginning, and then, you know, I got a little bit more active and a little bit more active, and to the point where I was doing it probably half time. And then uh, we watched that Apple movie, you know, the Apple movie with Steve Jobs where they bring in John Scully and it gets really horrible for Steve Jobs. Mm -hmm. And and I had been telling my husband, good consultant that I was, that he was going to need to hire a CEO because he's a brilliant technologist, but he doesn't want to do the day-to-day things that a CEO does. And he thought about that for a while, and we watched that movie, and he said, I don't want an outsider. I want somebody who understands my philosophy to, well, to run this company. And who he can trust. And who he can trust. Right, right. And so he asked me to be CEO, and of course, what did I say? No, thank you. Oh, you did? Okay. Oh, <laughs> many times. <laughs> no, no, no. No, because I knew what it meant. It's yeah. not a glamorous title. It's a, a lot of responsibility. Exactly. And and so I was very cautious about it, and I tend to be um, a risk-balanced individual. I just did a profile with uh, a separate – this is a quick aside. An important client of ours is uh, Carl and Marita Aylin, and they run a company called Talent Chaser, and they're building a new product for individuals for helping them find jobs. And Carl has spent 30 years developing this profiling model to help people understand themselves better in terms of how they're perceived in the working world. And we've all done their profile, and it's just, it's absolutely brilliant. And it gave me some real insights into into who I am and the rest of our team as well. Right. Well, apparently I'm very balanced on the risk spectrum, unusually balanced. I'm not afraid to take risks, but I'm very cautious and aware of what the risks are. Mm. And so heading into starting Tari, that was very much an important thought for me because I well knew what it meant. And and we've bootstrapped a lot of what we've done. So there's been a personal investment that's been quite significant to make this happen. 
Um, but once I got involved more and more, I just got more and more excited about the idea, and we just kept improving the product, and we kept getting great feedback from the market, and we did uh, briefings with analysts from IDC and Forrester and Gartner where they said, you know, this is really unique. You guys have figured something out here. And it just it just kept building and to the point now where we're launched globally. We've got mobile versions as well as web version of the system. We have about 800-plus communities on the platform, 25,000 users and growing. Um, Those are big numbers for yeah. only two years into yeah. this. We're getting there. I mean, yeah. it's a new paradigm, so that takes time for people to figure it out and right. understand the value. But we have just great discussions with, with clients and prospective clients and lots and lots of exciting start, excitement starting to build. Yeah, um, that's, the, that, it is exciting. Yeah, yeah. Can, for the listeners, can you give an example, even if you just use, you know, um, a, a made-up name of a community or a company that's, yeah. that's actually using it and what they do? Because there are a lot of social media platforms. Of course, everyone's familiar with Facebook and, um, you know, all of the other ones that are out there. What What is it that Chari does that's different Yeah, uh, and, and makes it, you know, something that hasn't quite been out there before. Yeah, sure. Well, the most important thing is the data ownership and the privacy. So in Char, you own your own data. The community does, okay. which is different than most social media. So we don't even call ourselves social media, actually, because it's much more about the communication of the community and the community members being able to communicate in a safe, trusted environment. Mm-hmm. And so um, within that framework... An example, actually, is is there's a city in Indonesia called Bogor, which is where our team is located, our developers. And it's a million-person city, and they've just signed on to start using our platform to communicate with all of their population, to to communicate on environmental issues, on health issues, you'll like that, Beth, Mm -hmm. and on technology. And they're calling it uh, Smart City. They want to really promote technology, and they want to really bring their population up using our platform as the primary communications vehicle. And there's a number of sub-communities that will all be part of this community ecosystem that, that is being built by the city. Okay, so I think one of the, that's really one of the most important pieces is that, as you said, the data itself is only owned by the community. Yes. And so that information that is being shared is never going to be seen or heard by anyone outside the community. Right. If they want it to be private, it is completely private. They can do public announcements if they choose to, but they can choose it very specifically. Yeah. And that's that control is what people really value. Right. And it, and I guess it streamlines all the information, right? So yeah. we've all witnessed organizations, um, universities, businesses where someone knows half the story, someone thinks that, you know, something else is going on. So you have right. this ability to have this information streamlined and everyone's on the same page. Exactly, exactly. It's a great way to share information. Our posts are very rich in content. You can attach multiple videos and images and documents so you can really tell a story mm-hmm. in one post, which people really value. And then also we're adding a real-time chat capability, very, very modern and advanced that will be plugged in so you can chat with an entire community through through this chat mechanism. Okay. So you can imagine it for sports teams. We're having some conversations with with sports teams for their fans. It could be a very exciting way for them to get exposure to different players or to get 
exposure to the coach or just talk amongst themselves because it supports member-to-member communication. Yeah. Now, how have you been able to secure, you have, as you said, over 800 um, users, not users, communities, communities, 25,000 users. Right. Um, What is your, I don't want to say what is your pitch, but when you go in to to tell uh, a community about this platform, what do you say to them? How do you get them on board? Because as we know, there's so many new tech companies launching every day, all the time, um, which is why it was kind of risky to do this. But what do you say to them to to get them interested. Yeah, well, it's really about consolidating all of your communications into one secure, trusted environment. And right now, what most communities are doing is they're using the public social platforms, they're using emails, they're using their website, they're using listservs or lots of different cobbled-together solutions, and they're finding it hard to manage their message across all of those platforms, Mm -hmm. and they're also not sure they're reaching the right people. So that whole concept of reaching the people you really want to reach, that's what really motivates people to build a community. Have you had opportunities yep. where, I'm sorry, Beth, do you have a question? Oh, I was I was going to say, I mean, I was looking at all of this, and it's fascinating. I, I you know, we have, I have a nonprofit, and one of the things we've always worried about is the security of the information, you know, for the conversations to go back and forth. But as I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, you know, there's so many different ways. Like if I if I have this, your the Chari app, you know, can I ha- be part of five different communities through Chari? Yes. yes, yes, that's um, a very good point because, so, yeah. Because it, it's, I mean, I'm looking at this right now and I'm going, I already sent the link to my sister who's like the brains of, she's our executive director. And, um, you know, she's like working this, even when she's on the it. air. It's yeah. great. Well, I can't, I can't help it because I'm looking at this and I'm going, I wonder if this is a solution to problems I don't even realize that we have, that we could solve them before we get them. Because yes. within our nonprofit, you know, we're, as we expand... You know, so if, if, if I'm going to introduce you to my sister, Anne, and say, Anne, listen, you got to talk to Denise. This is what Chari can do for our nonprofit. Like, so if you were going to talk to her, what would you tell her from the beginning? How would you pitch it, so to speak? Yeah, I would say this is an opportunity for you to get on board, get all your members engaged. You can also do donations through the system. You can really motivate them to be more involved and share information and, and join the community and feel part of the community. And then the other advantage is that because of – we have a very unique capability in the system called affiliation, and we're filing for a patent for it. What affiliation allows you to do is to connect multiple communities together in an organic way. So if you had a community, Susan, I, I could affiliate with you and we could connect, but I don't have to hear everything you're talking about in your community, just the things you want me to hear. So we can share information without being inundated. Okay. And we can yeah. connect and create an it. ecosystem of communities that way. So yeah. a good example is, let's say, the Girl Scouts. So the Girl Scouts have local chapters in each town. They have regional chapters. They have national. The local chapter in you know in Medford doesn't really want to know that the local chapter in Balakinwood is having a car wash. Right. They really don't need to know that. Yeah, right. But if there's something that is a project that they all want to work on together, they do want to communicate easily. And that's what our platform enables. An example is if there are, let's say there are five communities and they're all affiliated with each other and someone starts a conversation in the first one and shares it with the other four and someone in number four chimes in and comments, everybody will see the comments consolidated mm. but in their own community. Yeah. So yeah. you don't have to hunt around. You don't have siloed groups. 
everything is all combined together in in so, appropriate ways. I, I love it, and I have to ask you, how did you get the name? And oh, I mean, <laughs> it, it, there, there's got to be a story behind the name because yeah. any time that I look at a word, and I would never have guessed Chari as the pronunciation. So I know. do tell. Yes. yes, yes. Well, Chari actually means to seek or to look for in the Indonesian oh, language. I knew it. Yep. We just learned yep. an Indonesian word. I yep. love it. Well, yeah. I love to see. Uh, it's to seek, but that's. It makes sense, right? It makes yeah, sense it totally with the meaning. Does. Yeah, and the reason we have two eyes, and this is another Indonesian language um, little tidbit, is that in Indonesian, when they're saying plural, they don't say, there's no S, they say the thing twice. So if it's two tables, they say table, table. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a very simple language in that way. But but because of that, that's why we have the two eyes, okay. because it's like you're you're looking and looking. And looking. And seeking and seeking. Yeah, so, multiple things. Multiple what, things. Yeah, what yeah. I love about it is the time that it saves, because oh, how yeah. much time do we waste seeking information or um, communicating with one person and then four down the road after that that all need to be in the loop. That's right. That's a perfect example. Like when you think about email trails. Email, yeah. Uh, and yeah. email is a great I, a great this, tool, but yeah. yeah. Beth, did you want to say something? And I was reading one of, I was reading something that you wrote online about oh. when people are the most truthful whether it's oh, yeah. um, through oral conversations or written and uh, you know that it, I find that it's very telling that you say that what they put in the in the written word in emails is or that that form of communication tends to be the most truthful. Yeah, isn't and, that surprising? Um, uh, actually, yeah. it, it isn't surprising to me because once you get an email from somebody, like there it is, it's on the trail, you can't get rid of it, and so I think people really think. Because most people, when they write an email, are responding as opposed to the verbal, which is a reaction. Yeah. So I think a lot of times, um, because the thought goes behind it, but I was actually trying to, and believe it or not, I, I think I, you are my solution for this. I was trying oh. to put together. <laughs> I love it. No, a group. I have a group of physicians who have all been diagnosed with breast cancer, a lot of oh. breast cancer surgeons, and they don't feel comfortable going to a support group in their of town. Of course not. And I was looking to create a listserv, and nothing was fitting, and I'm yep. thinking, I, I'm sitting here going, the light bulb just screwed yep. into my brain because That's this is the perfect community. forum yep. for this group because they can be part of other breast cancer survivor conversations, but... There's, you know, there's something to being a doctor yep. in that group because people think doctors have the answers. So I think that you just gave me the solution to my problem, which it's been on my – I have a little um, icon on the bottom of my computer with, like, my to-do list, uh -huh. and it's been sitting there. And every time I open it, it's like physician support group. And it's like, boing, I haven't done anything. So here we go. So here we go. I, that's uh, perfect. I'm psyched. Yeah, that's a perfect example. That's because, a great example yeah. of, of not only we, – before the show, we spoke about the fact that it's – that Chari cannot only be used for ongoing communities, you know, from day one moving forward, but also for special projects. Yep. So give yep. an example of yep. that because... Well, right. Yeah. I mean, for example, we've been talking uh, on and off with the Rotary Club, and the Rotary Club has multiple chapters all over the world, right? But they often do projects that are very specific in, in interest or interesting to certain chapters. Mm -hmm. And so they have to get all the people that want to be in the project, like a water project in Kenya or something, 
all involved, and it's very difficult for them to do that in in the current world. Mm-hmm. So you could just easily set up a community that is the project of water in Kenya. Yeah. And just invite all the people that are involved in that, and boom. Everything's all everything. laid out for you. Yeah. It's, yeah. It yeah. really is. It's a wonderful yeah. program. Yeah. No, it's very powerful, and I guess... One of our challenges has just been because it's so broad-reaching and powerful, mm-hmm. and it is really a new paradigm mm-hmm. because it's a very different way of doing things. Yes. But it's been sometimes hard to get people to understand. But interestingly, Beth understood it right away. People that have the need always get it right away. Right. And that's whenever we go to talk well, to clients, that's we, what happens. We actually had a uh, we had a chat room on a website that was supposedly secure for breast cancer survivors, and it turned out that it wasn't. Ooh. And that was my learning lesson. Um, and that you know, IT security. My sister Anne, who you'll you, you'll have to meet her. She'll okay. be the one that you'll communicate with at some point. Anne is brilliant. She's she's my she's like the middle child of seven, oh, and she wow. she ran a tech company. So she is like. The, the queen of computer stuff and when I she like her already her, well she left she left a job that was not fulfilling her soul and so now she makes very little money um, being the executive director of my foundation but she loves it and it, it, it fuels her, her it fuels her heart and as we you know as we move forward you know we're all she's always looking for innovative technologies and ways for us to um, expand what we do to get our word out to create that community and she is going to absolutely love this because perfect. it's just it's um you know it's she's she's not see, she'll be seeking the seeker so yeah <laughs> that's absolutely perfect though i mean this is a great conversation to have right here live because this is exactly what happens when people's eyes open they start term, to well they you get know, it yeah they start to think about problems that they have exactly day to day exactly. what is the struggle and communication is so at the heart of everything that right. we do right and if you're not doing it well and you're not being efficient it, you're just it, frustrated you're just frustrated and it holds you back yeah yeah exactly and that's what we're finding people are really grasping you know the concept of what we're doing yeah and finding it very powerful yeah well one of Denise, the when you Oh, when you set the when you set up a group, yeah. do you invite people to join it? Yes, yes. So it's like an, an invite. So you're not going to get stragglers that who have the app that just can pick on it and say, "I'd like to join it," or can people ask to join? There's three different ways to do it. You can either set up a completely public community, so it's almost like a website kind of a uh, information sharing environment. You can set up a semi-private community where they can ask to join. They can't really see anything unless they've been approved. Mm -hmm. And then you can set up a completely private, invisible community that nobody can even find. And it is completely invite only. And that, you know what? You you need those three yes. different types because, yes. you know, when you think about all the different communities that would be using this, they all have different exactly. ways they work. And, yeah, it's nice that you have that option. Exactly. Those, those ultra-private communities are great for boards of directors. They're great for mentor-mentee situations. They're great for the breast cancer support group type right. situation where yeah. you just really want it to be completely private. Yeah. And you can push out public announcements. For example, a board of directors occasionally needs to tell the public, we've decided X or Y, Mm -hmm. we need to make an announcement, and you can push out public communications. But everything else you do is private. 
So you can set up all those little kind of subcommittees. You know, if it's, if it's a big company, if it's a board of directors, they want to send a message to their shareholders. Right. You know, they could do it. Or just their employees or, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. fantastic. And then for businesses, it's great too, because if you think about it, every business has different types of customers. So you've got customers by product. You've got customers that are frequent buyers. So you might have VIP customers, and you can have a whole bucket for all of your customers, and then you can also have sub-communities for different types of customers. If you want to, say, have a specific promotion or get product feedback mm-hmm. or or do customer support services, you can do it all in those smaller categories that are more relevant now, particular product. sometimes when you have um, a new company like this and you're trying to exactly what we're talking about here, and it's hard to paint the picture. Yeah. Do you have a presentation that you've taken to large companies and they've, you know, invited a large group in and you can actually show them visually what it looks like? Oh, yes, definitely. I mean, I often do, I do a lot of join me demos actually online as well mm. because doing the demo brings it to life. That's right. Yeah. And so we have presentations for different types of communities and different types of organizations, and then we always do a demo. The demo, you know, really, really helps people understand all the power of what it can do and how how fun it is to use. I mean, it's nicely designed. It's fun. The mobile versions are fantastic. Well, mobile is so critical because that, I mean, I would say, I don't know what the statistics are, but everyone is out and about on that mobile phone. Um, I would say, I'm sure we spend more time there than we do on our computers and our laptops. So if you have something that's very user-friendly that you can be working from your phone, uh, because people are doing it from (laughs) the soccer fields and, you know, from the grocery store. And I mean, I know I do that myself i'm yeah. just working all the time yeah um and all of our users in asia are using the mobile so about half of our u- users and communities are all in asia is and that so, right yeah, yeah so they're all on the mobile version so that's and, interesting yeah. you, do you think that they've seen the the benefit of it and the value before definitely wow i mean we had it designed by our team in indonesia because our view was they're all a younger set Mm-hmm. They're only using mobile. They know what all the latest and greatest techniques are. Right. And so we had them come up with the design. They figured a bunch of old fogies can't figure that out as well as they can. <laughs> they didn't know that you were an artist. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> what do you leave say? it to the kids. That's right. right. Exactly. What do you say to the people that are a kind of, uh, you know, anti-technology? Um, and, wow. it, you know, my feeling is there's so much tremendous um Abilities and things that we can yeah. do with technology. Of yeah. course, there, there's some negativity, and there seems to be that lack of interpersonal skills, one-on-one. Um, but I, I see what you're doing is so valuable. Yeah. And so, what do you say to people that you know, kind of poo-poo it? Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, I mean, I've actually met a lot of people through Chari online. That right. I've ended up then having conversations with afterwards. Mm-hmm. So there's a wonderful man named Jeremy Scribbins who focuses on ecosystems of communities, and he's in Australia. And we talk on Skype. We met online through, I think I met him through Twitter, actually, yeah. when I was talking about Chari. And then there's another gentleman named Gary Sharp who works out of the U.K., and I met him through LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and he writes about us all the time. And we've talked, you know, many times, and we email almost every day. So 
I think that while it's not perfect in our global world, you have to be willing to have those kinds of interactions, and it opens up a whole world of people that you wouldn't otherwise have met. I, I think that's probably the biggest benefit, meeting yeah. people that you yeah. would not have had the opportunity to meet. Yeah. But remember, Susan, I, I always say it's it's when we learn to use technology to our benefit instead of having technology use us. Yeah. Right. That's and, right. You yeah. know, it's you know, it's it's like me, the, the doctor, sitting with a patient, you know, having eye contact with them and having that relationship as opposed to the ones that sit there in their keyboard and never engage with the patient like we all have to we all have to move into that next realm of um, technology but you can't forget that interpersonal space but with using this technology to connect people around the world it's a great thing yeah, yeah absolutely because it's it's trusted and comfortable mm-hmm. so it's not just bombarding them it should be relevant to things they're interested in that's right you know, and I love the way it. yeah Beth I love the way you said that it's it's reminding ourselves that we're human Human yes. behind the technology. Yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah. Tell me what, um, we just have a few minutes yeah. left. What's, um, what advice would you have for young women who are p- pursuing a technology um, profession and uh, maybe they, they're coming up against some challenges um, in doing so? I would just say stick with it and be brave because... You've got to focus on your, your intellect and your skills, and if you have a drive and a passion, you should focus on that drive and passion. I mean, it's not easy, but it can be done, and try to find some mentors. Mentors and, are key. And yeah. it doesn't have to be women. It can be no. men. My mentors were all men, because there weren't a lot of women around when I needed them. Right. So, you know, there are people who want to help out there. Yeah. Uh, lots of people. There are. And and I find LinkedIn to be a tremendous um, place to go and be able to engage with people f- for a very specific business reason yes. As, yes. as opposed to some of the other platforms where you're kind of not sure what to put out there or what questions right. to ask. Yes. Um, LinkedIn is great for that. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, uh, people use it very effectively that way. Yeah. And the yeah. networking, it's really yeah. important. Sometimes young people are a little apprehensive. Um, they feel that reaching out and asking for help is, you know, is bothering someone when really Really, those mentoring relationships end up being good for both sides. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I had a young woman I was mentoring who was 15 when she started. I was mentoring her on the farm, and she was from an underprivileged environment. And she just graduated from high school. I went to her high school graduation. She still texts me all the time and pops by. And yeah. I know I made a difference, yeah. and I would love to do more of that. Yeah, and I that's think most terrific. people would. Yeah. yeah. Listen, real quick for yes. the uh, for the listeners, if they yes. want to get in touch with you and learn more, where should they reach out? Yeah, they can call me. Um, my number is 610-659-9734, or better yet, email me at denise.hayman, H-A-Y-M-A-N hyphen loa, L-O-A, at chari.com. And chari.com is the website as well. It's the website as well. C-A-R-I-I.com. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for coming in all the way from Delaware. Oh, it was my pleasure. I appreciate it. Dr. Dupree, have a great rest of the day. It was a great day. Denise, I look forward to meeting you in person. Yes, I look forward to it too, Beth. Thank you. That's it, everyone, for this week of Women to Watch. Thanks so much for joining us and make it a great week.